Wisecast, the podcast for women in STEM and education. I am Dr. Richa Chandra. And I am Dr. Amber Miller. And in honor of Women's Equal Pay Day, which was March 15th in 2022, up from March 24th in 2021, we thought it would be fitting to showcase this conversation or debate, however you want to view it, right, on how equity can play out in the workplace. So, Richa, how are you dressed for success today? So this is really inspired by all the research that that you did for for this episode um, in preparing for it. And one of the researchers that I think that both of us are developing a little bit of a woman crush on, um, Dr. Laura Cray at Berkeley. Hopefully we can get her on the podcast at some point, but you'll see a bunch of her articles and we're going to link them in the episode notes because we we used a lot of her work to um, prepare ourselves. But one of the things that you brought to my attention from her papers was this concept of feminine charm and how there's like flirtatiousness and like how feminine, if we lean into the, that feminine side of us, we can actually move further in negotiations and your, your career. And that stayed with me since you, we talked about it initially, it stayed with me and it felt uncomfortable. So I channeled that in how I dress today. So I'm, I amped up my feminine charm. Um, I wore a super pink blouse. It's like, it's so girly, right. Um, with flower flowers, all over it. Um, and then these pink earrings that are like petals. And yeah, I mean, this is something I do feel comfortable dressing up in. It's in my closet clearly. And I would wear it for like a girl's brunch or like, you know, maybe a baby shower or something of that sort. But I would I could never imagine dressing like this to go into a negotiation or into a job interview. Um, but apparently if I bring this side of my character, I may actually do better. So that kind of pisses me off. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking at you, Amber, noticing you've got these big earrings too. And so we have some kind of similar vibe. So what was your thought process and your dress for success today? Well, I definitely did have that thought with the feminine charm kind of rolling through my mind. And in thinking about it, I realized... I have very little like light pink girly things, like where my brain initially went to the the feminine charm. I was like, maybe I need to amp up my wardrobe if I'm going to lean into this side of of, um, our our personality and just of being a a woman, right? Um, But I had also watched another TikTok the other day where this woman was describing like the top things that we can do to personify success and to be taken seriously. And her number one thing was wear a collared shirt. She was like, it doesn't matter what you say. If you have a collared shirt on people automatically take you more serious and um you know kind of believe what you're saying a little bit more because uh you're wearing this collared shirt so I channeled that and I'm wearing this like light blue not like sky blue but just like a muted blue color which is a trusting color right like that's also one of the things that we play into with the the color schemes so it's a little bit business professional for me right in my like standard dress for success but also I did like try to soften it up like you noticed with the ear to give a little bit more kind of girly feminine vibe to the like button up, you know, um, blue collared shirt, if you will. Um, And so like, as you've noticed, both Rich and I have um, played into our feminine attire, right? And and specifically for this debate, which hopefully comes off more as a conversation than an actual like formal debate. Um, But we hope to charm, right? And persuade our guests today in, in the conversation that we have. We're so excited to have Neil Thompson with us. He has been a big fan and supporter of Wisecast, of everything that we've been doing in our space. And we we always love having our male guests. So just to introduce you all, um, our listeners, to, to Neil. 
Neil is a um, speaker, writer, and entrepreneur. He started out his career as a product development engineer, earning a bachelor's and master's degree. Eventually, he went on to become a professional engineer. Neil is a contributor to Urban Geek's online magazine and has contributed to Mechanical Engineering Magazine, Tech Directions Magazine, and Psych Central. He started his journey in public speaking out of necessity, as he had to present in front of senior management every month at one of his engineering positions. After one too many failed presentations, he knew he had to work on his public speaking skills. He took what he learned in becoming more effective at public speaking and created the Teach the Geek to Speak course and the Teach the Geek to Speak membership. He has presented to American Society for Engineering Management, American Institute of Chemical Engineers, and Engineers Nova Scotia, among others. Neil also hosts a podcast that focuses on public speaking, offering tips and interviewing those with STEM backgrounds about their journeys in public speaking. Thanks so much for joining us on WiseCast, Neil. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the invitation. And we're so excited and really kind of the premise behind our discussion today came from or was inspired by some online discussion that we had based on some comments that Neil gave to us from one of our previous episodes from season one. And it's actually the episode series Knocked Up or Knocked Out. Um, and it's really ge um, geared around an original comment that um, Neil had posed to, to Dr. Chandra, I think about kind of the story that Dr. Laurie Jean Reed, um, the anesthesiologist and partner of the private practice group kind of gave about the woman and a man being hired um, and that the man negotiated a better deal than the woman um, who didn't negotiate. And they, uh, she thought it would be unfair for them to get paid differently. And this is kind of where like the conversation began with Neil um, and that uh, I think, you, you know, we'll let you go ahead and respond with your own words and not just kind of read the comment that that you made to us. But this is really where we wanted to kind of springboard our conversation and from. Oh, sure. So my comment was if I was the male physician and I found out that the, the female physician got the same deal I did, even though I negotiated and she didn't, I'd be upset because I took the risk, I, I did the work to actually negotiate the better deal, and she did nothing and got what I got. Essentially, I had to do something to get something, and she didn't have to do anything to get something. Yeah, and it got it got our entire team kind of, you know, buzzing and talking about, you know, your comment. It was actually um, a really, I, I think it's, it's a good point. It's a valid point that you're making, um, you know, so first, I, I do want to acknowledge that. Um, I just want to add a little more detail and clarity to that, um, you know, the situation that Dr. Reed shared with us, you know, her, the other aspect of um, the way anesthesiologists and that practice are paid is, you know, you get like a certain pay per hour for the same work. Now, her comment was now, if the female physician decided she couldn't work as many hours as the male physician, then that would be where the salary difference would occur. But she felt that per hour, two people, you know, they were of equal standing coming in should be at least making the same wage, if you will, per hour. What are your thoughts about that? I'm, I don't really think my, my thoughts change all that much. I mean, to me, it wasn't really a, a gendered issue. It just, ha it just so happened to be a male doctor and a female doctor. If it was two female doctors and one female doctor negotiated and the other one didn't, if it turns out that be based on that negotiation, the one who negotiated was going to get a higher hourly salary than the one who didn't negotiate. Well, that's the way it shook out. The one who didn't negotiate was obviously happy or was satisfied with taking whatever she was offered. If not, she would have negotiated. 
Amber, what are your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, it is, I, I see both sides, right? I have the, the kind of concept here in terms of, right? Like if I'm doing extra work, right? How, how much should I benefit from that extra work? I also think that there's just a, a lot of differences that like come in with the equal playing field and what, you know, kind of women versus men get. And even, I mean, I think more so than, than the same gender. Um, and so I'm not sure how much of that kind of played a role in, right. The, the equality here and the concept that there are so many things that can set different people behind in, in negotiating either just knowledge and opportunity to do so, or even ability to do so. I mean, I guess we all have the ability to negotiate, but kind of like you said, the risk reward ratio, sometimes um, we don't understand all that it takes to kind of get into that or have the same background level of knowledge, which I think is part of why we want to have these conversations and discussions so that, you know, more people can start off on, on the same equal like playing field. Um, but, but I don't know, it's hard, right? I'm a big proponent of like effort should, you know, like your work is what you bring forward and, and how, like what that says about you. But at the same time, some of like, I feel that, you know, if you're both starting out on the same, like, why shouldn't you both get paid, right? Paid the same. I mean, so Neil, do you think that men and women start off on the same playing field when it comes to negotiations? Well, I mean, I think that, both have the opportunity to do it. And if you don't do it, then it's very difficult to then complain when you don't get the results because you didn't put in the work to get the the results. You know, it's, it's so interesting considering that I'm somebody who is a poor negotiator. I've never negotiated a salary in my life for any of the jobs that I got, but I would never begrudge somebody, male or female, who negotiated and got a better deal than me. It's it's up, it's, up, it's up to me to get better and become more comfortable negotiating so that I can get so that so that I can then get the results that I want. At least from what I can tell, the the issue perhaps that the female physician and perhaps other women have is just discomfort in in asking for money or asking for more of anything, really, just in, in terms of their salary package. But I mean, the way to get around that isn't to avoid it. Growth comes from discomfort. So you get better at something by actually doing it. So then, I mean, to to put you a little bit on the spot, if you don't mind, um, and this is all friendly, uh, why why haven't you negotiated? Because I was uncomfortable doing it. But I, as I said, I wouldn't then say that I should get more because somebody else who got the same or has the same position as I do got more because they negotiated. They they even if they were were uncomfortable negotiating, they faced it and did it and then got something out of it. I didn't face it. I didn't get anything as I shouldn't get anything out of it because I didn't do it. So what's your point of view um, from the hiring person's perspective, right? Like if you're the person in charge, you're the one who's the boss, right? Um, how would you feel like in that situation? And I think that's the, the position Dr. Reed was in being on that hiring committee and being the female voice, you know, usually we each bring our perspectives, right? Um, you know, if you saw like people's salaries and wages and knew that you were hiring two people that are equally qualified for the same position and were paying one person more per hour, how, how would that feel to you in terms of fairness? Well, it would feel to me that the person that negotiated for themselves was obviously an advocate for themselves. And the person who didn't negotiate for themselves was uncomfortable doing it and didn't show themselves to be that much of an advocate for themselves because if they did and they were uncomfortable or unhappy with what they were getting, then they would have negotiated like the person who did. 
So if I was the, the hiring person, it's not really my job to tell the person who's, who didn't negotiate, you should negotiate. I mean, companies are, these are for-profit organizations. And there's a bit of a tension there that between the employees and the employer. The employees, I mean, ideally, theoretically, want to get as much as they can possibly get. And then the employers want to pay as little as they can possibly pay so they can increase their, their profits. The goal of these companies is to have as high of a profit as possible, and, and salaries tend to be some of the higher expenses there are. So if you know that there's a group of people who are willing to take whatever they're offered, are you going to offer them more? The, what, it, what, it really, what it really comes down to is the group that's not comfortable or unwilling to negotiate, a critical mass of them need to start doing it. And when they start doing it, it becomes more normalized. And when that happens, they're going to start getting paid what they think they deserve. I mean, Amber, I think this is the perfect segue into the data and research that you did, right? So that's interesting, right? And and I agree. Obviously, we all, like if we want to have better pay, right, we all need to get more comfortable in the negotiation setting and doing these things and advocating for ourselves. And I think some of it comes from a lack of awareness and what data you can get in terms of what people get paid and what, right, kind of like that, like balance is so you know what a realistic expectation is. But I also think, right, there's some data that we found that suggests a couple of studies from um, from Berkeley and UPenn show that negotiators are four times more likely to deceive a female than a male counterpart, right? So if all things are equal, right, and coming in, and a woman even may negotiate, right? But like, obviously, this is a different scenario than what Dr. Lori Jean kind of described. But if we're more likely to be deceived, because we typically women are more trusting and more, um, like optimistically framed, I guess, and more team oriented than than what is stereotypically described for males in terms of being more self-aware or self-agency, like they have higher self-agency than women do. And so then the negotiators are kind of tapping into that and potentially deceiving women at a higher rate than they would men, right? It kind of sets us up for even if we try to negotiate, right, we have a bigger chance of failure just because we're going to be deceived more often than not. Oh, that's a, that's an interesting study, and but it sounds like the the company, as you as you mentioned, the companies are taking advantage of the women's, I guess, lack of experience, perhaps in in negotiating for for better pay for themselves. Well, again, it, it kind of it either you focus on what you can control, or you can focus on what other people do. But with that latter, you have no control over what other people do. You certainly do have control over what you do. So I, I, I maintain that if you are a woman, it, it's going to take more women to actually start doing it. I actually saw a study that said that 57 percent of women don't negotiate. That's a pretty high number. And if you are and if you see that the, the, the traits that you kind of have being trusting of the company and they take advantage of that, well, be less trusting <laughs> like, like, like the men are so they can get so you can get so you can start getting the the, 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 the pay and the, and the benefits, just the packages that, that you deserve. I, it, it ultimately it's going to come down to whatever you've been doing hasn't really been working. So what can you do differently to potentially get the, the, the results you want? I mean, I think that stereotype threat is real across everything, right? I mean, and, and I think that's that's what this the study kind of shows, and other studies we have, and we'll we'll link these in the the episode notes um, based on all the research that that we did. But you know that 
but I think that, you know, to say it's it's all on us as women, right? Well, you know, a lot of us don't know these studies, right? Like I didn't, I'd never heard this until we did our research for this episode, right? Um, and now I'm diving into it and it, it's actually kind of frustrating to realize and recognize how far we are from an equal playing field. You know, I thought it was just, just negotiate. And then it's even, right? And we're only talking about negotiating versus another person negotiating, but it's no, I'm several steps back even from there. So I have to negotiate even harder. But I also think then that it's, we can't think that it's just here that we do the work. We also have to do the work on the institutions and educate them, educate the hiring committees on, you know, what, what Lori Jean Reed said, if she could bring this data to that hiring committee, right. And say, we need to be very aware of stereotype threat and having these biases. I think that's also important. It's not just one portion that needs to be fixed. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. But I think, I, as I mentioned earlier, if you, you know, at least historically, that there's a group of people in this in this sense, it's women. 57% from the article that I read don't negotiate. And you, so they're going to accept whatever you offer them. Are you going to offer in the top end of, of whatever the, the position is? And I mean, if you're if you're a good person, you might say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that because it's fair. But if you're a person that's, thing, that's thinking, I'm going to try to maximize the profit for this company and pay, try to pay people as little as I could possibly pay them while they still are willing to do the work, then you might say, no, maybe I can pay them less and they're just going to accept it. They'll never find out. They likely will never find out what the other people that, that work with them with the same salary are making. So we're going to take that risk that they don't find out. They're going to just take what they're offered and they're going to be happy with it. It's, it's still upon the, the people who are doing the, who want to advocate for themselves to, I guess, push back on that and say, no, we're going to negotiate. I've, I've done my research. I know approximately how much people in this field get paid. And I'm going to advocate for that. And if you're not willing to give it to me, then I'm going to go to the next company who, who very well might. I mean, so in, to comment on the for-profit thing, there's a lot of things, though, that go into, you know, being profitable as a company and having pay equity, you know, especially with salaries becoming more transparent, if they're, you know, publicly known for like public universities, for example, and you see those, you know, inequities in, in the, the gender gap in terms of pay, for me, it's demoralizing and I'm not inspired to do more work for, for the company. But if you bring me to an equitable place, then I'm going to work harder for you. I'm going to not say no as much. So I, I think companies in the end can also profit from bringing equity. And so we're looking at, if you look at it from a more like a larger corporation or the institution perspective, it's in their benefit to bring pay equity. Certainly. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I can agree with that, especially in the case if there's transparency. So everybody knows what everybody else is making. And if you see a lot of the, of the female employees are making less than the male employees. And you might think, well, what's the reason for that? Is it because of discrimination or some sort of, of bias that the hiring committees have against the female employees? It's certainly not a good look for those for that for those employers, that's for sure. But for those who perhaps the, the, the pay, the pay is not or the salaries are not transparent and you're kind of left to guess, then there's a big incentive for a lot of these employers to then offer the, the the people who are not going to negotiate less because you can save that money. Yeah, I think, and I think, I don't know, Rita also talked about kind of the stereotype threat. And, and I think as, as women, because 
were thought to kind of fall into the category of being accommodating and being team oriented and putting others before us, that then there's this flip side that when we do step up and try to negotiate and advocate for ourselves and making our interests a priority, we get backlash and we become the B word, right? Or we become this person who is not looked well upon because now I'm being selfish and I don't have the team's best interests at heart. And so it's interesting, you know, as we, we think about all these different stereotypes, and what it means to step up and how do we balance those things in terms of wanting to advocate for ourselves, but still wanting to be someone people want to work with, right? Um, Because there is this huge you know, backlash for women who act like men, right? Like they, you know, we're now being a B instead of, you know, being assertive or aggressive is is a negative connotation for women when it's a positive connotation for men, right? And so it's how do we actually navigate this in a way that makes everybody feel good, right? And people not see us now in this negative light as someone they don't want to work with. Yeah, I, I can I can take I can see your point there, Dr. Miller. And I guess when it ultimately what it comes down to is normalization. So right now, as it is currently, women don't negotiate. They they then perhaps find out that they got less than than a man got, and now they're disgruntled, and and perhaps it, that affects their work and it affects the, the 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 team at the company that they're at. So what it comes down to is a as, more women doing it. And then when more women do it, it becomes more normalized. So now a woman advocating for herself is seen as the norm, as opposed to how rare it it currently is. Because as I mentioned, so few women do it. And so women are accommodating. They are team players. They are just go along with whatever happens. If if more women stop doing that and start advocating for themselves, it becomes the norm now. And perhaps the likelihood of people seeing them as the B word, as you mentioned, decreases because now that's just what that's just what women do. So as our ally, I think the the take-home message that that Neil, you're you're giving us as women to empower us is that we need to get to that critical mass and find that from within ourselves to go to those uncomfortable places and just put yourself out there so that we as a group can make this normal. Yeah, no, no question. Success often struggle often comes before success. So I mean, and, and typically people don't change until there's a there's a, a I guess a stimulus to to pr- promote that change, and that change will come from from the women saying that no more of this. We're not just going to be accommodating and just take what we're offered. We're going to advocate just like the men do. For what we think we deserve. Well, men that aren't me, since I mentioned I never <laughs> negotiated, but other men that certainly do negotiate and get what they think they're worth. More of us need to do it. And when one more of us do it, it becomes more normalized. And when that happens, then we're seen on this. And then hopefully what would happen is that you'll see on more equal footing. So if we go back to the original comment, would you, from Lori Jean's perspective, being the woman on the hiring committee, looking at um you know, the overall large picture for her, you know, she was a partner in this group, right? And she wants the group to be successful. Do you think that maybe we can take fair out of, you know, the the verbiage here, but was it the right decision? The right decision that the man negotiated and the woman, okay, the, 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 decision, the decision that they both get paid the same, even though she didn't negotiate and he did, Mm-hmm. Was it the right decision? Uh, not my, not my, not not to me. I mean, I still maintain that he did something to get something. She did absolutely nothing, and she got something out of it. What would have been fair is 
telling her maybe later, hey, if you want to get if you if you want to do better, if you want to make more money, negotiate for yourself and and advocate for yourself. It mean especially when people start working in these companies, it's so common for people to say you need to advocate for yourself to get promotions, you need to advocate for yourself to get pay raises, you need to advocate for yourself just within the context of the company. But shouldn't that also apply when you're when you're the job seeker and you're and you're looking for the job to advocate for yourself as opposed to just taking what you're offered? It, it just it doesn't make much sense to me. You should be an advocate for yourself at all times. Yeah, I mean, I think ideally, right? It it's it's what we all sh- want to shoot for, right? Is that that we can advocate for ourselves and and women cannot fear having different repercussions from speaking up for ourselves and taking this action to advocate for ourselves um, and that we would be treated right the same as men by doing so and having these same types of opinions and stances on what we are worth and what the value is. But I think it's challenging because currently that's not the playing field, right? There are biases all across the board and, and that makes it not just harder to negotiate, but it just it makes it a different, it's just not the same. Like we're, we don't start on the same playing field, but I do, I mean, I do agree with what you're saying. We need to do it more and there need to be more pioneering women who can have enough belief in themselves that if they advocate for themselves and the job doesn't work out, that that's not where they should have ended up as in a company that doesn't value their worth and what they think they're worth. And that they can then go off and find a new job in a company where they do value them for what they believe they're worth. Um, I think right now with the economic climate, right, it's hard, it's, it's hard to do some of those things for fear of not having a job or how long it's going to take to find a new job. Um, and, and that makes it even scarier. But as we're celebrating, right, in March, right, Women's History Month, and we hear all of these amazing stories of women who were the first, you know, in the medical school when women weren't allowed to be physicians, right? They weren't allowed to go to medical school. And then they paved the way and started medical colleges, right? Like to do these things that you're right. I think it takes more of us having the courage to step up and do it, irrespective of what the ultimate repercussions may be, knowing that we're doing what is right to help move this forward, right, to a place of, of equity um, for those that are, you know, sim- at similar levels of skill and ability and effort, right? Yeah, I, I fully can can agree with that. And I mean, when I, I remember when I when I first listened to that to that episode, it just it, it struck me as so odd that the, the, that there was even another side to it, to be to be frank that there were people who'd say, well, they should make the same, even though one person was happy to take whatever, or at least was willing to take whatever they were offered. And the other person obviously wasn't because they negotiated. It's just, it, it, it will take, it will take those trailblazers. It will take those who say, you know, we're going to advocate for ourselves, no matter whether we're job seekers, whether we're employees, no, no matter what our status is, we know our worth, we're going to ask for it. And if you're not willing to to provide it, then we're going to go elsewhere. And I, I take your point, though, that in an economy, perhaps when people are a bit more apprehensive about about working and just having just having a job in general, maybe they do take the the offer, even though they're not all that happy with the with what they were offered. But at some point, you're going to have to look look within and think this is this I, I can't live with this because I took this not being happy with what with what I with what I got. And so now I need to make a decision. Do I do I stay here and still be unhappy with what I received or do I 
go and now advocate for myself to get what I think I deserve? Or do I even move on and, and update my LinkedIn profile? And, and I also think, sorry, and Dr. Chandra probably has a bunch to say, but I also think it's awesome having, like that we need to have more male allies who are transparent so that that we can be friends and you can say, you know what, when I had a job that was basically the same as yours, this is what I was making. Like you need to make sure you understand what the numbers are and what the values are because some places it is transparent, right? They're working towards pay transparency and other places it's not. And so it's really hard to find that information out. And so by again having more people who who value, you know, equity for for pay in terms of when people have the same skill set and the same abilities to do the same work, that we should have an understanding of what that equal pay is. Because even a lot of the challenges, we don't even know what that equal pay is. And if I'm friends with, with Dr. Chandra and she can tell me what she makes and I can know what I, but that still could be dramatically different than what right our male counterparts make or what our male friends and allies make. And so I think having more open discussions about pay, uh, which is uncomfortable for everyone, I think like nobody, men or women, right, really enjoy the negotiation or right having these conversations. But the more we can put them out in the open and make it okay to talk about them so that we can make sure people understand their worth and their value um, so that they can advocate for themselves in the appropriate ways, then I I think that's also going to be a huge kind of turning point for how we can make a difference in some of these aspects. Yeah, I I see your point there too, Dr. Miller. And, you know, it's funny, I was speaking to a, a a female colleague of mine, and I was telling her about this story, about the male, the male doctor and the female doctor one negotiating, one not negotiating, and now they're they're making the same, even though one did negotiate and the other one didn't. And I, I I asked her when it comes to the salary that you've ever made, would you be willing to be transparent with your salary to see if what you're making is com- you know commensurate with others are making to see if they're you know if if there's any sort of of gap there? And she said absolutely not. She would never negotiate. I mean, she would never reveal. Her, her salary to other people. So hopefully <laughs> the, the, the someone like her isn't the perhaps isn't the norm because if that if that's the case, then you're certainly going to come up against men who aren't willing to nego- or to talk about their salaries either. And so you're kind of left in the in the same spot than you that that you were in. People wanting to keep their salaries you know private. Whatever they make is is what they make. And then what do you if you're a woman, what do you do to try to find that that information out? So hopefully, I mean, the what would happen is there would be more men and even women that be interested in, in talking about about how much they make to then see what the the numbers shake out. Although it it it's still kind of it's there's still a lot of nuance there. It's not all black and white. You could have two people, male and female, working the same job, but are they both as good at the job? The you know, it, it, you could very well have somebody who they, they have the same job title, but one is seen as just by any of the metrics that the company uses to measure performance is much better than the other person. Should they be, should they be paid the same? I mean, that's, that's the question to ask. Yeah. And I had the same conversation with Dr. Chandra, like, how do you evaluate some of these things, right? If I'm putting in more work and more effort and I'm doing a better job, or I'm just getting more things accomplished in a productive way, whether I put in more time or not, right? Like, how do we evaluate those things? And, you know, there's a lot of, nuances, like you said, in terms of just evaluating and setting those goals and standards even, right, for what, you know, being productive and successful in a, in a position looks like, irrespective of even anything else. Like, if you take everything else out, like, you have goals to meet and how you meet them, but even that can be 
nuanced and 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 not easy to assess like are they both doing the same are they is one better than the other and so i think there's a lot right they can can go into that too mm-hmm. and that's why i think that the debate is kind of twofold you look at it from the individual's perspective but then you also have to look at it from that larger global perspective and and i still stand by you know my my thought that it was it was the right decision for that group to make because you know if if you have that kind of inequity it's not going to be good for their look it's not going to be good for their reputation um, it's not going to be good for for morale so I think you know until the playing field is is level and and if we're in this current climate and we know that women are going to experience social backlash for for negotiating we we have the data to back up these things that. It's not a, a fair, you know, um, situation when a man comes to negotiate and a woman comes to negotiate for that same job because of stereotype threat, because of lack of awareness and education. Until we are closer to that, it can't be completely on the individual. That groups and organizations and institutions have to do a lot more. Okay, well, I, I stand by what I said as well. I, I'm not a fan of somebody getting something and they're not having to do anything to get it. I mean, ultimately, if this was to continue on, I mean, what motivation is there for women to negotiate at all? Because you could always say, well, the, the we're just going to pay her whatever the man was able to negotiate for himself. And I just I don't see the the, the fairness in that. Well, we'll put it on our listeners. So we'll put it on you. What do you think? Which side of the the debate are you on? Or are you, um, you know, unsure, undecided? We'd love to hear from our listeners. So thank you so much, Neil, for for joining us. I love this conversation. This may be one of my my favorite conversations I've had to date um, on this podcast. So please uh, share with our listeners how they can connect with you, how they can find you and, and share all the great things that you're doing. Wonderful. And thank you again for having me. You can find me at teachthegeek.com. And you also mentioned that I have a podcast. It's also a a YouTube channel. So if you don't want to see me, you can just hear me. So if you want to get to the YouTube channel, it's youtube.teachthegeek.com. And then from there, you can even get access to the podcast. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, thank you so much. On the next episode of WiseCast, we will be taking a break and featuring one of Rich's favorite episodes. Also, make sure if you haven't already to watch and subscribe to The Wise's Children on YouTube, featuring easy and fun at-home STEM activities. Thanks as always for listening and supporting us. Don't forget to check out thewisestwomen.com, subscribe to our channels, and tell all of your friends, and maybe even some of those people who should be listening. I am Dr. Richa Chandra. And I am Dr. Amber Miller. I kicked my sister with the like it pisses me off that I ha- should use these things to my advantage, right? But then I mean and I'm naturally that way, but I actually lean into masculine qualities when it comes to professional. Like I definitely have like a separate persona, right? That I am like with my friends and girlfriends, and then what I am in the professional setting, they're they're different. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't I don't want to bring that side. Yeah. Into work. It's not, yeah, it's not uncomfortable. I'm with you in that it's a bit more uncomfortable. And I don't know if part of that's because we work in like these kind of male dominated fields. And so we're more aware of like not doing those things to make sure that we are being professional, right? Like it's almost takes extra effort to make sure we're staying above that professional line. Right. If you will, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how much we have to think about it. <laughs>